Hey, everybody. Hey, thanks for tuning into the show. I have a book that just came out on Amazon.com called Digital Labor, The Coming Demise of a White Collar Worker. This book is talking about how software is going to be replacing knowledge workers in our industry at a very rapid pace. This book is addressed for people who are interested in the future job market and what to do about it. So please check it out on Amazon. We look forward to your feedback now. Let's go listen to the show. When I use software to perform the work, if I'm the owner of the business, I no longer have to pay people to perform the work. So the, all the benefits accrete to me. You're listening to the audio companion series for Digital Labor, The Coming Demise of the White Collar Worker, with author Thomas Young and Kieran Bajwa. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast companion series for the book, Digital Labor. Today, we're going to discuss Chapter 2, Knowledge Worker Automation, and I'm here in the studio with Tom Young, the author of the book. Hi, Karen. How you doing? Hey, Tom. How's it going? All right. Hey, Tom. Wanted to chat with you briefly about uh, Chapter 2. Um, so you've got this powerful quote at the start of the chapter. So how did it go bankrupt? How did you go bankrupt? Yeah, Two ways, is, gradually yeah. and then suddenly. That's quite powerful. This is an old Ernest Hemingway quote, and... Uh, and it, I think it really it gets to the notion of why digital is different than analog. We talked in a prior chapter about the difference between digital and analog. Analog takes time. It's uh, physical in nature, uh, the way we use the term in, in the book. Um, if we think about automation around you know factory robots and mechanization of automation line or uh, manufacturing lines, those take time to engineer, to design, to build, to deploy. And uh, we saw that happen uh, in the agricultural sector. We saw it happen in the manufacturing sector, but it happened over a decade, agricultural generations and then manufacturing with several decades. We won't see it take that long with digital. Mm. And it's going to look very much like Ernest Hemingway's quote, how did you go bankrupt? He said, you know, gradually and then all of a sudden. And that's the way I think it'll play out here with digital. Wow. Very, uh, should people be scared or... Uh just know it's coming. Um, you know, it's easy to fear monger. You know, um, I, 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 it's it, it, that gets a lot of attention when people do that. Elon Musk is one to uh, be hyperbolic in some of the things, but if you, but if you if you look at more sober comments that are alarming, if you look at like Sam Harris, yeah, uh, gave a nice talk on TED around the emergence of AI. Concerns of late Stephen Hawking, Bill Gates, uh, Nick Bostrom. There's a lot of a lot of smart people who will sound the alarm bells. There's also people who are what I almost call Pollyanna about the change. Should people be afraid? I think the, the fear stems from the unknown. So Gallup had a poll where a majority of the people were afraid of AI, and I think that has a lot to do with a lack of knowledge of what it is. Hmm. But that's not to say that the fears are unfounded. I think I think the, there is things to be fearful of. But I think at a minimum, everybody should be concerned about the change if they're not prepared for it. And that's what the purpose of this book is to help them think that through. Yeah, because I'm looking through, um, you know, and you've got a section here on, so what's really different about digital labor? Um, and I think to your point of this could happen all at once, um, are there certain types of jobs that people 
you know, where we're going to see this happen rapidly or it, it, has it already happened or what do you think? Well, again, technology progression has been with us since modern civilization, since we moved out of hunter-gatherer societies. So if you look at the agrarian society, you know, it used to be, you know, we, it was a country of farmers, yeah. you know, and we had uh, a, tr a tremendous percentage of the people working in the agricultural sector back, I'll say, at the turn, at the founding of this country, say in 1800. Um, and that time frame, you know, is a majority of jobs and, and livelihoods were tied to that. Well, that's dropped now to a minuscule amount of the people have been involved in in agricultural, it's largely a mechanized uh, endeavor. Uh, large machines, combines are doing a lot of the work. Uh, industrial farming is uh, it dominating. And so now it's probably less than 2% of the people are involved versus, say, more than 90. Well, that took a couple hundred years for that to happen, maybe 200 to 150 years before you see that big drop. So people. That's the gradual part, if I go back to the Ernest Hemingway quote. Yeah. Gradually, we saw a decline. And if you look at the decline in the graphs, there's a graph in the book we have from the USDA and the Bureau of Labor Statistics. It's a straight line down from around 1780 to about 1975. It's like a straight line down in terms of percentage of people working in agriculture. Um, manufacturing, that's where people went to. Right. They, they would shift out of agrarian into the manufacturing economy. Uh, jobs paid better. Um, some cases it was very hard work, but in general I would say it was higher paying, better jobs than working uh, on a farm. That's a, I'm not making a value judge. I'm just saying like the, in terms of the wealth that was created. <coughs> and we started to see that go up, but I think around – you know, in the, I would say in the 1990s, we started to see a lot of, of offshoring of that work and the mechanization of that work really drive the jobs down and, and disconnect it from the productivity. <clears throat> Again, we have another chart here where we show around 2000, we see a decoupling of mm -hmm. manufacturing jobs tied to output. And that had a lot to do with the software and mechanization happening in that sector. Which then, um, if we look at what's happening today, so now we've got technologies in place and <laughs> we've got a labor market. Yeah. Is there, there, is there a concentration in wealth that we're going to see get, you know, where the wealth starts to get more concentrated at the top end and we've got a population? And I, I know you discuss a lot of this later in later chapters, but um, you know, can we just get your thoughts on, based on labor market and the reports that we're seeing today, uh, do you think that we will see a larger concentration of wealth? I do, and I, and I think it goes back to what's different and that the, the title, the quote we chose at the beginning of this chapter around Hemingway's gradual then all of a sudden uh, line. The agrarian change was gradual. Um, the... Manufacturing changes around automation was gradual, but it's faster. <clears throat> it went from generations to decades. So, so it was, you know, you saw, you saw a compression from, say, I'm going to call it a, close to 200 years, now down to about 30 years. Mm -hmm. And this is where the all of a sudden comes in. Both of those were analog changes. This 
software change that's happening as a result of digital automation for knowledge workers. Because, but again, both both of those automation ways for agrarian and manufacturing had to do with the automation of physical work, which is analog. When we use that in a prior chapter, when we start to replace brain work, that's where it becomes digital because it's software doing it. So that's the all of a sudden because software scales very fast. Now you asked this question about wealth concentration. When I use software to perform the work, if I'm the owner of the business, I no longer have to pay people to perform the work. So the, all the benefits accrete to me. The cost of production goes way down. Right. And if you look at how fast we've created these young billionaires, yeah. You know, whether it be a firm like uh, Instagram who got bought by Facebook for a couple billion dollars, I don't know what they paid, but uh, these it was just a dozen, fifteen, yeah, guys, yeah. young guys in the Silicon Valley, and they just all of a sudden, boom, they're instantly wealthy. You see, the you know, Mark Zuckerberg's one of the most wealthy guys on paper right now. Uh, Facebook doesn't employ hardly anybody relative to Walmart or General Motors, mm. and so you see, so the wealth concentration happens for the people who happen to be on top or owners of these digital uh, business models. They, they tremendous amount of wealth is being created, and it's concentrated. I don't think it's good for society to see the wealth concentration, and it's accelerating. However bad people think it is, it's accelerating. You know, like I think Bezos's wealth doubled on paper again in the last two or three years. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Uh, and I know um, when we get to a later chapter, we can dig a little bit uh, deeper into that, because mm -hmm. I know you've got some exciting stuff around that right. topic. And before we close out um, chapter two, you've got a fascinating um, a, a, a Turing test in the yeah. chapter. Can you just give people a little bit of background on what the Turing test was all about, and um, we've got it in reference to uh, differentiating between cognitive agents and chatbots. And yeah. I know this is not a technical book, but I thought I thought the Turing test was quite interesting for our listeners to. Well, we're we're trying to early in the book to introduce people about some of the technologies because while we don't want to be too technical in this book, you do need to understand that the technology that's coming is quite advanced. Right. And people have experience with Alexa in their home or Siri on their phone, uh, maybe the Google Assistant if they're using an Android platform. And everyone's played around with it to a little bit. And they said, well, it, it's never going to replace my job. And that's true. Those technologies that you're probably playing with are not. But you need to understand behind the scenes what's happening is quite sophisticated. And so... Uh, when machines are start to able to interact with people and extract information and process information through the same kind of way that a knowledge worker might in an office environment, and that's, by the way, it's coming, it's right around the corner. That has to do with the ability of the agent, of the software agents to be uh, what's called a cognitive agent, which is the ability to, you know, for you to talk to a chat bot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be an avatar on a screen. It could be through chat window on your computer screen, or it could even be, you know, sci-fi would like to have it in the form of an Android. Um, so we, pat we there's a thing, Alan Turing in the 1950s, he was a guy in, uh, 
worked with uh, uh, the military intelligence in World War II around helping break the uh, German Enigma encryption machine. But he was a mathematician back back then. He and he taught, he posed the question: Can machines think? Because mm-hmm. at, at the end of the day, to replace knowledge workers, these machines need to think. And there's lots of evidences that they can, but in very limited ways today. Right. But the issue is it's progressing rapidly, you know, from beating Gary Kasparov at chess to beating Lee Sedol in the game Go, which is more complex than chess. Right. And people said, when they beat chess, they said, well, you'll never beat Go. And then it beat Go. And like, oh, wow, they were surprised when it happened. And then the next version of the software destroyed the first version that won. Yeah. And now there's now you can't even you can't even play. The the machines dominate this. So you say, well, that's that's narrow. It's defined. So we talk about the ability of machines to interact with people. And people are funny. They talk weird. They have accents. They change the subject. Uh, they're not always rational in the things they say. And how do you process all that information? So if you're a customer service agent, you need to be able to do that. If you're going to replace that customer service agent with software. So the Turing test is a test to, to figure out if I'm interacting with a computer, do I know it's a person or a computer and I can't tell the difference? Mm, and yeah. if I can't tell the difference, it's, it's, it's so-called pass the Turing test. So we lay out a very simple test that you can play with your version of Alexa, because I'm sure new versions are coming out all the time, Siri, whatever chatbot or your exposure to, we lay out a couple of examples, simple examples, to show what's difficult and what's happening here. But it's, it's again, it's going to change rapidly. So whatever I say today, you know, I'm, I'm reluctant because in two days or two months or a few months, it's going to change tremendously. Did you guys feel Google Duplex was uh, starting to get close? Yeah, that was, uh, that was launched uh, last year uh, in May. And I've been following it since then. I thought the progression would be more. I think they faked some of it. We get into it. We did a technical breakdown of how Google Duplex. Now, for people who don't understand what that is, the Google Assistant, which is the unnamed AI, like it's the Alexa version, but it's on Android, uh, was able to place a, let's just say, a a restaurant reservation. But it actually made a phone call to a restaurant and talked to the people. And the people that, that were on the other side of the taking the reservation didn't know they were talking to a computer. And if you listen to the the call scripts, it it sounded exactly like a two people talking. Right. Yeah. Now I'm sure those were curated. Uh, they picked the best ones for the demonstration. So we broke down those five different technologies that go into making that happen in real time. And again, it's every one of those technologies is tremendous, but they're all working in conjunction. And they're and they're getting so much better every month, every quarter, that you you cannot make a declarative statement whether it be here we're sitting here at the end of September in 2019. There is a state of affairs that exists today, mm-hmm. but in December, January, and March of next year, it'll be very different. Yeah. So you know, if people are listening to this six months from now. They could say, oh, that's old news. That's old news. It's, uh, of course, we can do that. Well, that's the nature of this change here. Very rapid. All right. Well, thanks, Tom, for your time. Um, and if you haven't picked up the book, I encourage our listeners to um, 
head on over to Amazon and it's Digital Labor, The Coming Demise of the White Collar Worker. And you can also check out uh, digitallaborbook.com. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Be sure to listen to our next episode on Chapter 3, The Rumjog Automation Maturity Model.